Gary Bay Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, aka WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? We have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate food before we nerd. So listen, Laverne, it's a shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. And just like that, we're into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show talk about all the major important live fire barbecue and grilling items that are happening during the course of this past week month two months if it's topical we're going to talk about it at some point or another still to come on this show this evening tom remley from remley custom beats and then closing the show charlie eblin from Single Tree Barbecue. The show originating from Palm City, USA, Cleveland. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show to watch. Also, you can watch the show through YouTube, which is youtube.com at slash at BBQ Central Show, where we do have the YouTube poll question of the week. It was 50-50 split between the guests, but I'm asking you this this evening. Last week's audio with Aaron Huntelman of Go Big or Go Barbecue was worse than the show the week before with Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hey. And currently, 67% of you are saying, yes, come on. I'm telling you, there is. I'm the guy who who taught all of you to hate bad sound. And I'm telling you with my trained ears, by the way, I'm not just adding armament to my defense here, but I talked to John Solberg, who has perhaps the most keen ear aside from me as it relates to sound quality on this show. We were talking about this whole nonsense in depth earlier today. And he said, look, pound for pound on the sound, it was fine. Was the artifact that was showing up annoying? Yes. Was the sound quality bad? No. So I can't believe, I'm not saying that you're lying, 67% of you that are saying last week's audio was worse than Susie. I think if you go back and listen to it again, the audio is better last week than Susie's was. However, this is why you have polls. This is why you play games. Just because you see stuff on paper doesn't mean... That that's the way it is. You have to t- you have to put it to the vote, and this is why we do it. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in ten minutes or less this coming Friday, two hundred and ninety-seven episodes in, taking you back to August twentieth of twenty seventeen, and showing up this time around is Barbecue Central show's guest Hall of Famer and pitmaster Bob Trudnack. You know, I don't believe that that's right now that I'm thinking about it because I remember posting the show over the weekend. Did I not write it up right? Let's go into episodes. Let's manage episodes. Let's go into this. Yeah, uh, I'm 100% wrong. Episode 297 being featured this week. Mike Lang from Another Pint, please. Shame on me. Mike has been a quarterly guest in 2023, of course, as many of you know. But when we go back to what the proper date is for this show, 
September 29th, 2015. That's Mike's first appearance ever on the show. We learned all about Mike's background and how the website came to be. Another pint, please. Mike's website was a very popular blog when blogs were a popular way of communicating across the Internet landscapes. That has since transitioned more into a traditional website. And then you see him a lot more on Instagram and some of the other social media handles versus blogging like he used to. But that was what he was into back then. So we talk all about that background, how the website came to be. We also talked a little bit about tailgating because that was a popular topic on the show at that point. So if you've ever wondered where Mike Lang came from, here's his initial appearance. And you'll be able to easily see why he has transitioned into a fairly regular guest ever since 2015. So going on uh, eight years, almost to the day. Well, um, it'll be a, it'll be eight years in one month from now because uh, today is the 29th. And he came on the first time September 29th. And that'll be six days after the Hardfield Hardware Grill Fest that we're both going to be attending. Mike will be demoing. I'll be doing the emceeing of that whole thing. So make sure you are subscribed to the show podcast feed so you can get the best moments show this coming Friday and you could subscribe to the show by going to the BBQ central slash subscribe. And don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment, which you think has been lost in the archives, you can email John J O N at the BBQ central show.com and let them know what you would like to hear. Guess what gang? The last Famous Dave's All-Star Barbecue Series was held this past weekend in Taylor, Michigan. And winning the last event, Bert McLean from PB&J's Barbecue. Good for you, Bert. And taking second place, or as we call it, reserve grand champion, Bo Northrup of BoBQ. So good for you, Bo. If you want to see the past results of this season's Famous Dave's All-Star Barbecue Series, you go to FamousDaves.com slash All-Star Barbecue Series, and you can see all the results from the very first one that was, I think we started this in May, if I'm not mistaken. And aside from a couple weeks off, somewhere in the middle there, it ran pretty much hot and heavy every weekend, especially there through July and August as we tail out here through the end of the month. And there were competitions every week for the past six or seven weeks, I believe. So uh, once again, if you want to check out those winners over this series, it's famousdaves.com slash all-star barbecue series. James in Oklahoma writing in. Greg Aaron is local, and this is his second time that he's ever been on the show, and he could do it in studio as well. Maybe you should have him on more. Podcast listener only regards James. James, I think with the voting public, the answer is no. He shouldn't be on more. And in fact, perhaps he should have been on less. 67% of you saying his audio was worse than Susie Bullock's the week before, if you can believe it. So, James, your input taken, your input is firmly rebuffed. We can't do that. Mike in New York is writing into the show. Greg, I enjoyed hearing about this competition box that your guest was talking about last week. I don't think it's a cheat code, but I do feel you are at the mercy of how he trims it. Not sure if I want to put my fate in someone else's hands when it comes to that kind of stuff. Love the show. Regards, Mike. Mike, I'm totally with you on that. If you are not about efficiency and effectiveness... If you are all about control, not letting anybody else do anything for you because you're that guy, I'm right there with you because guess what? I'm that guy. You don't see a producer on this show. You don't see somebody else running the board or running the transitions or hitting the sound effects or anything like that because I want to control everything. I've operated like this from the very beginning. Perhaps in your competition thing, you're the only one on the team and you've been doing it since the very beginning and you can't even begin to fathom having somebody else do that work for you. However, there appears to be a number of other folks who disagree with you. They find value in getting time back during the week that they don't have to spend trimming their meats or if they have to do anything, it's just a little bit of stuff and maybe they're even doing it to competitions, but I doubt that they're doing anything according to Aaron. So maybe try one or two items out of them. Don't get the whole box. Try one or two items and see what you think. 
and then let your confidence build from there or just continue to do what you want to do and let the folks buy the competition box if they want. Everybody lives happily ever after. Finally, Jeremy in Alabama writing in, hey, Greg, if I might speak on behalf of the Centralite listening public, enough of the Memphis and May talk already. We get it. It's not going to be at the same place it's been at for 40 years. We get that there are two sides that are at odds. We get that they are finger pointing. We also understand that we don't care about any of that. If Memphis and May went away forever, it would change my life zero. <laughs> Let's all agree to move on for now until next May. Love the show. Regards, Jeremy. Jeremy, do you really love the show? We talk. This is the thing about this is where the show lives on the most important topics in barbecue today and for the last three weeks or a month. Memphis of May has been really important. You might have noticed up until your email just now. We haven't talked about it at all. Tom Remley is ready to go. We'll be talking to him about cellularly cultivated meat. Those words just came out of my mouth. But before we get to Tom, I'll talk to you about Big Papa Smokers. Listen up, gang. Our friends at Big Papa Smokers have something special just for you. The listeners of this show, whether you're a seasoned pit master like Smokin' Joe's Pit Barbecue or Sean Reed, or you're just an everyday ham and egger just like me, Big Papa Smokers is your one-stop shop for all things barbecue. From their championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories, they've got what you need to take your food to the next level. Whether you're on the competition circuit or you're in the backyard, here's the cherry on top. Big Papa Smokers offering the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show an exclusive deal. Use the code REMPE at checkout. That's R-E-M-P-E. You get $10 off your next $50 of purchase. That includes rub sauces and accessories. Or if you're a percentage type nerd, 20% off your order of $50 or more. Imagine the possibilities. Let your mind run wild. I'll help you. Evaluate your ribs with Big Papa Smoker's Sweet Money. Or add Big Papa's Desert Gold to your chicken. Or better yet, pick up Big Papa's Double Secret Steak and add that to your steak. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and start shopping today. And don't forget to use the code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E. There's no K in there. R-E-M-P-E. Do that at checkout. Claim $10 off your next order of $50 or more. Doesn't matter how you get there. Just use the promo code REMPY at checkout. Also, don't forget to check out Big Papa's full line of cooking recipes at cookingwithbigpapa.com. That's cookingwithbigpapa.com. Follow them on social media handles for amazing recipes. And a lot of times, witty anecdotes from Sterling. He's a character, that guy we got to have him on, too. All right, we're back with Tom Remley right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rempe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back to the show. A number of weeks ago, you might have heard me talk about designer or 3D printed meat. That's right, I said it. I actually had a line into the company that was leading that charge based in Israel called Stakeholder. And while that attempt to book on this show has cooled off considerably from their side, I'm hot on it. I did get a note from someone who wanted to talk a bit about it from how it could affect the real beef industry. He is the owner of Remley Custom Beef based in southwest Minnesota. We raced the hotline and welcome in first timer to the show, Tom Remley. Tom, before we get into talking about cellularly cultivated meat and all that other nonsense. Yep. There is a YouTube poll question of the week that is happening much to my chagrin. And I'm asking everybody this, including guests. The audio with Aaron Huntelman from Go Big or Go Barbecue last week sitting in studio was worse 
than Susie Bullock's audio from the week before, yes or no? Absolutely not. Of course. No. I mean, Tom, tell these people they're outrageous. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I hadn't have any problem with it. I could hear it fine. If I can hear I listen to you in a tractor lot. And if I can hear it there, <laughs> it's good. Let's dig into the topic of the evening right off the bat. And we'll get some background on you, the history, the company, all that. So we can validate your expertise here in just a minute. But as I had mentioned a few seconds ago in the open, the topic tonight is traditional beef or meat versus something that is being billed as cellularly cultivated meat. Some companies are also talking about 3D printing of the protein as well. As someone who is a part of a generations-long beef-producing family, what's your high-level take on cellularly cultivated meat and 3D printing of it? It sounds delicious, doesn't it? No. Absolutely delicious. It doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, it's going to be skewed somewhat when they talk about this because you're going to have a marketing push. And if we look at these two products, real beef versus cellular cultivated meat, we have to know what we're talking about. And one of the things is, is that there's going to be differences. The cellular meat's going to have a different texture. It's going to have different shape. It could expand when it's cooked. Uh, all those things are going to be different. You just can't change mother nature. That cow is out walking around, building muscle. What we feed, it's going to change the, the taste of the meat, the texture. We have differences in breeds. I like to think meat is kind of like wine or, or even premium cigars that you talked about. It's going to be different based on the resources that producer has, the type of cattle he has, where it's grown and what it's fed. And I think as a culture, we enjoy those differences in, in a lot of foods. We're not consistent all the time. I mean, you, it, it, the gentleman on that was doing the chicken thighs, he talked about the difference in sizes from that the range that he got. Well, that's animal agriculture that we're not consistent single time, but we enjoy those varieties because they add flavor. They add a little different texture. We don't, it, it's just a more pleasurable dining experience. That's that's one of the big changes. Um, some of the statements that you made that were made on the previous show about it being more ethical or sustainable, environmentally friendly. The consumer is going to hear a lot of that, and it's going to be up for them to decide what's true and what's false. You know, you have to ask yourself. Here we have a product that they're taking stem cells out of an animal. How are they getting them? They're sticking a needle into an animal and pulling out cells and growing them in. Keep saying cultured meat because it makes my life easier. That that sounds yummy. So they're putting them in a Petri dish <laughs> or a nutrient solution to grow these with a whole bunch of antibiotics because we can't have any disease or foreign foreign things in there. I don't know how ethical that, that is because in a typical production system, that animal goes through to the packer plant, and one of the tenants of of meat packing and to be responsible with the the harvest of the animal is there's a USDA inspector standing there making sure that that animal is killed as quickly as possible so it suffers the least amount. I don't know how that is when you're before you kill the animal because you have to have a live cell that you're sticking a needle into it or is that animal living in a cage? I, I don't know. That's their question. But those are the things from the ethical standpoints that I'm not so sure. Do you think people are going to be asking those questions? Do they want to know if that animal that the, the cultivated meat people are holding animals in, in pens so they can stick a needle in them while they're alive and get everything or or do they want to live with their head in the sand a little bit on this and just feel good about it i think there's a portion of the population that doesn't want to know and there's going to be a portion that will believe that it is more ethical to eat the cellular 
growing meat because an animal didn't die. It's all going to depend upon its, its marketing. That the consumer is going to be in complete control of this. They're they're going to decide with their dollars where they want to spend that if this is going to fly or not. And I think we've seen with uh, plant based products that the consumer has resoundingly said no after the initial newness wore off their retail sales have dropped um so that that's the one thing that i that i see i'm not too concerned really uh, about the whole sell your meat thing i i think the meat industry is well placed to combat any marketing mm-hmm. that's going to come out do you think as a so, country that we consume well, i mean we consume quite a lot of beef and yeah. we're also constantly expanding where we live. We're developing, you know, crazily. Could we run into a situation where we outrun the coverage of traditional beef availability in this country? Well, considering the fact that there's 90 million head of cattle in the country right now and 331 million people, the cow herd is shrinking every year, yet we are still producing the same amount of beef that we that we were with higher numbers because the cattle are bigger, we're more efficient, we're having better use of we're using land at a more efficiently than we were before. I don't see that being a problem because there's also what a lot of people don't realize, there's 27 million acres of land that could be used for animal production under CRP contract right now, Conservation Reserve Program. That's that's just there to benefit wildlife <laughs> and uh, erosion. It's lower producing land, and it's more economically feasible at this time to, uh, to use it that way than to produce food for the country. So I, I think there's room for growth yet. It all depends upon where society is going to want to put their emphasis. We're going to be pushing ag. There's going to be push on the land use for solar, for wind. Um, these things are all going to affect the consumer at some point in time. It, it just, it's just a matter of, of what they're going to want. So, There's talk um, always about green initiatives. The comments were made about how much gas yep. is being produced by the cow, and then they're pooping. It's methane. It's ruining the world. Is this a real concern or is this just propaganda well if you're going to sell cultured meat it's a real concern (laughs) um from the producer perspective um ag accounts and and beef cattle account for four percent of the greenhouse gases that being said the methane is also more potent than carbon dioxide it it is. It does a better job of trapping um, the trapping greenhouse gases in. It, it it also, but it also deteriorates faster than carbon dioxide. The University of California Davis is working on feed supplements, and they are able to reduce the methane production by about sixty percent in a beef cow by feeding a one percent seaweed. Um, additive. So we're ag's going to take care of you. It, like, like we have, we always have. We're, we'll we'll grow, we'll change, we'll adapt based on consumer needs. So um, not too worried about on the greenhouse gas issue. And I, there's a lot of things that go in the carbon cycle. I mean, it's we should be offsetting that with the crops and the grass that we grow. I mean, I don't know how much they're being accounted for, but, you know, there's something green and growing out here all the time until frost hits in southwestern Minnesota. So um, I it's a concern. I think it's blown out of proportion, to be honest with you. Ultimately, do you think this is going to come down to price being the ultimate factor on a make or break for the commercial success of the cultured meat? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's it's a concern from my standpoint as a beef producer. Um, beef has always been known as a luxury item to to buy. I mean, not everybody gets to eat beef on a regular basis. One of the things when we started selling beef that struck me was we had a 
a customer that a single income household with kids in school wanted to purchase a beef roast and some hamburger. Um, we got back to her and had a delivery date and she called or he called and said, um, can't, uh, had something happen. Cash flow is a little short. <laughs> um, can we, can we, uh, cut back on on the beef roast so there's there's a concern there now we're you know being local and being able to do we're able to get a beef roast a bit that that uh at a reduced cost to help out but there's cost is going to be very important absolutely tell us about remley custom beef how far does the trace back well, the family's been in southwestern Minnesota since 1897. Wow. Uh, my great-grandfather started the farm here. The building that, the first building that they built was the granary, and that's where they lived until the house got built, and that still stands here. Um, so we're, we've been raising livestock here ever since it started. Um, it's changed. The lessons that that I learned growing up about how to raise beef, how to care for animals still stand true today. Uh, we feed our animals by hand for the most part. Uh, we have about 13 to 20 head on feed plus a cow herd with calves and we can, we feed them by hand every day, five gallon pail, nothing fancy. It does make a difference to us. We believe that the beef is better that way because we're taking our time. The animals are calmer. All those things are important to raising good, to raising good beef. Corn-based diet. Uh, land is all family-owned, so um, my sister's one of my landlords, so that makes for some interesting Christmases, you know. <laughs> so is the rent going to be raised this year, sis? I don't know. <laughs> all depends. That's fa that's farming nowadays with with family. So, um, yeah, that's that's. Any family that's been in the generations can tell you stories like that. And, and there's there's quite a lot of us that are out here yet that that still take care of those things that way. So it seems like um, consumers should be happy. It seems like Go ahead. by the third generation, uh, you're the third generation, then I would imagine, right? Your son, fourth. Be, you're the fourth. Okay. I'm, um, I'm the fourth. No, no interest in doing something else. I would imagine that, uh, or, or is farming one of those things where if you just happen to be in a generations long family that's doing it and evidently doing it successful, the desire to get out of it is not as high. I, I think it goes from family to family. And, and I think it, it also goes on what the attitude of the fam family has been i my dad told me point blank go out and do something else for a while before you come back uh, it's good advice it's a, it's advice that i give anybody you know how many times do you change jobs anybody changes jobs in their lifetime at least once most people change jobs at least once in their lifetime so i told my son go out find something if you want to come back that's great it'll be here I still have 10 years left, so he's not kicking me out quite yet. Yeah. Um, I do like having the young help around. That's beneficial uh, when he can. But he's got a very good job in uh, Meat Science for Agricultural Utilization Research Institute with the state of Minnesota. Um, so he helps out when he comes. And there will be some sort of ag business here for him uh, when, he, when, he, when and if he wants it. You know, it's... You're building on generations, and my grandpa bought certain farms to build the operation. My dad bought farms to build it. I've added to it. We've all added to it through generations. It may be with buildings. It may be with livestock. Times change. Things change. But that attitude of you're building something for the next generation is still there. So that that's why it kind of keeps surviving through the years. So, what kind that of your question? What, on, on that? Yeah, absolutely. What are the breeds that you got there? Uh, we run Maine Anjou's. Uh, Maine Anjou is a French breed of cattle that was came over in the seventies. It's changed some um, through the years. It's uh, 
it was a red and white breed. And of course, in the US, we got to change everything. So now it is black hided because black hided cattle are in fashion and uh, known for its meat uh, and other milking and, and fertility that, that it offers. Uh, a good example, if you want to see what Maine Andrew cattle look like, you have something out there called the Ohio Beef Expo. Um, that's a good place to, if you want to see what Maine Andrew cattle look like. They're usually, I like to tell people there's those cute fuzzy ones, you know, with the fuzzy ears and everything that look really cute that you see on the internet. That's that's kind of a, a main. A lot of the show cattle have mane into them. We like them because their size and their and their dimension, their, the muscle capacity that they have. Uh, the carcass traits tend to be a little bit leaner, but yet we can still achieve a, a choice level carcass, which was what consumers are looking for. Consumers look for texture in their meat, tenderness, price, and quality, which is marbling. Those are those are still the three main things that that consumers want in a beef product. So we're able to hit those with the main Anju cattle, and they they look different enough that we have we tested out the Wagyu breed uh, or the Wagyu cattle, the Japanese cattle that are known for their extremely high marbling and eating quality, and those two those two breeds mesh very well together mm. um we can still we still get the a leaner carcass on the outside the fat that you cut off your steak we try to eliminate that as much as possible with genetics and it works that way but the magical thing about the wagyu is that they just put marbling in so many mm. other areas of the animal that you shouldn't really find it like in the round the big the, the butt end of the animal where where it's working a lot there's usually not much marbling in those cuts, but we're finding it. We're finding it there. So it it's an eating experience. Mm -hmm. You know, even at a fifty percent level, the mouthfeel of of that product is different than our than our conventional main Anju beef. It, it just it tastes different. It cooks different. There is something with the wagyu fat. It it is a different deal. It. It will melt at room temperature and it, you know, you got um, cooks, people that cook competitively and they cook differently that they cook a lot of Wagyu and it renders differently. You know, um, that's, I'm sure that's why they do it because it's, it's such high quality and, and that way that fat renders. So, so very you, excited about that. If you go to the website, then you can either get the traditional main Anju or you can get a, a Wagyu cross then. Yes, when we test marketed it, we sell out. We sold out very fast. Uh, one of the issues with beef is how long it takes to produce. And right now, it is taking us twenty months to mm -hmm. produce a wagyu animal. That's they tend to peak marbling for a half blood at twenty to twenty four months. So also that will help with flavor the older the animal is the little bit more beefy flavor you'll yep. get Con conventional supermarket cattle you're looking at around 16 months old yep. our main anjus we finish out at about 18 months of course this is with no antibiotics no implants you know that's that's how we do it that's what the customer wants and then you have the wagyu that you take out to 20 months or or oh. more to get the maximum marbling out of it. So we do differ a little bit that the way we feed, we start our calves on grain rather early, like at 40 days old, we'll start feeding them a little bit of grain on the side in a pen where the mothers can't get to. <laughs> and that also will help build some marbling capacity in that animal later. So it's, it's fun. There, there's some science, you know, I, I'm not balking on all science. There's science involved in raising, in raising good yeah, quality of beef too. It's, you know, we just uh, can't beat the real thing. Uh, you, you just can't, there's too much, too much love and effort put in by beef producers and all livestock producers to, you know, for, for the public to, that they should know that. So. What's the split between the Wagyu and the traditional main Anjou on the field right now? For what do you mean? Like how many do how you many have? We have, or, yeah. uh, we have four, three to four that will be ready 
sometime early next year. We just purchased a bull this spring from the M6 Ranch in Texas, a purebred Wagyu bull. So he has been out running with cows and some tough job. Uh, first, first, yeah, he, he's not, <laughs> he's, he's, he's smiling. Okay. Yeah, I bet. So, yeah. So he's, uh, we'll have hopefully next spring, we'll have 18 to 20 little Wagyu cross calves running around and, and, 24 months after that they'll be they'll be ready for market. So how, how long is the bull good up for? Production. 5 6 years. Oh, good. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yep. So that's that's uh, one of the the benefits for for uh, of the bull is that he's uh for me it's easier. It's easier to run a bull than try to um do use artificial insemination right oh. now. So Yeah, right. So, and then initially, are yep. you, uh, I don't know what the proper terminology here is, but are you importing the genetic material from somewhere in Japan first, or is it here locally oh, like no. in the States? No, there's, there's a lot of purebred Wagyu breeders in the States oh. and you can, you can, you can get Wagyu bull semen, you know, from your from number of sources there's quite a few there's a whole association that if the bull semen association actually breed association <laughs> wagyu wagyu association um i think it's wagyu.org um so you can find a whole bunch of wagyu producers that that are in the united states and and see what their cattle look like <laughs> so it's uh it's very it's exciting you know i think you're gonna see that Wagyu cross be more prevalent um, even in the commercial area moving forward in the next five to ten years would be my guess. There's there's a lot more producers out there than I even realized. I so, thought I thought all um, the Wagyu or, or most of the Wagyu here in the States at least was crossed because of the, the same reason you were talking about. You're going to take your traditional main Andrew, they're going to be ready 16 months, 18 months or whatever, but then it's going to press out, you know, another four five, six months. If you're going to go to Wagyu, maybe longer than that. So the way to overcome or quicken the pace is to cross. It You're, you're correct. That is the, the way to, to quicken it. And again, it's, it comes down to marketing, you know. Arby's did their thing with their Wagyu burger. If you can't see my quotation marks there, because <laughs> we all know what was in there, you know that that's not. There was a small amount of Wagyu beef that was in there um, because it there's just not that much many pounds made. I, I can't believe that. And the there were Wagyu cattle that were imported purebred from japan and those are the cattle that producers are using to build up their use to build up the purebred numbers mm. uh, you're getting a little bit outside of my i'm still studying on that mm -hmm. i uh that is the wagyu breed is a completely different animal as far as the genetic material is the the different bulls and cows are limited they have a very interesting method of breeding those to maximize looking at different cow family lines, <laughs> like looking at a ge like your, your geology tree yeah. or gene genealogy, genealogy, geology. Yep. Yeah. So that you'd map the same thing out with livestock and they, wow. they have a method. So they're, they're, they're smarter than I am. That's why I'm not, I don't have any desire to get into that end of it. So if you're interested in checking out some of Tom's, Beef, go to remleycustombeef.com. That's R-E-M-M-E-L-E, -E, custombeef.com. Yep. And he's got the pricing for the traditional Maine Anjou and also on the Wagyu side. Tom, appreciate the insight here this evening, learning about the generations-long farm that you are currently operating. And maybe we see a fifth generation down the road. And if I need a beef expert to tap, you're my guy. Well, I thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope it. I hope everyone had fun and, and learned a little something. Absolutely. So, Tom, appreciate it. It's Tom right there. Again, Remley Custom Beef, R-E-M-M-E-L-E, -E -E, custombeef.com. And there's a whole bunch of different uh, steak options, and there's ground beef as well. So check it out if you are interested in 
grabbing up some steak. I fear that my bullpen closer has not gotten the call from the bench coach here because he's not in the bullpen right now. But we're going to cross our fingers and hope that between now and two minutes from now, Charlie Eblin from Single Tree Barbecue is going to show up, but I... Well, look, I thought Rusty wasn't going to show up last week, and that blew up in my face. (laughs) So, I'm not going to go out on a limb and call him a no-show. I'm not feeling it, though. I can tell you that. So, I want to talk to you about two things quickly before we get to what is going to morph into an open segment, which means the show's going to end early. Number one, I don't know if you follow me on social media or not, but uh, my pal John Solberg, Michigan Embedded Correspondent, Executive Producer of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show, 10 Minutes or Less, shows up every week on Fridays. He's made it a personal mission to try and figure out a way to increase visibility, build momentum on cancer research and cancer fundraising in general. Uh, nothing specific. He's really good friends with... Uh, Robert Sierra, SNS pit crew, of course, we all know. Well, I don't know if we all know, but he's been uh, going through a cancer battle of his very, uh, of his own, which he's been posting about pretty publicly on social media and uh, some other things that are going on. And John has been inspired to try and continue to bring visibility to cancer in general. Uh, fundraising. Here's where we're at with this. John won a, the Jess Pryles cookbook and some raffle that he got. She signed it, Jess Pryles. So he said, hey, I'm going to send you this book. I want you to sign it for me. And then maybe you can make a Facebook post about it, which I did a little bit earlier, and talk about what cancer does or doesn't mean to you in an effort to generate some eyeballs for it. And then maybe we can send the book to somebody else. Maybe somebody will want to sign it. So, like right now, Lene Oxley has said that she would like to sign it. Uh, if you are somebody, you, you don't have to be a big name. I'm not a big name. You can be anybody you want. We're going to treat it like Flat Stanley. Remember Flat Stanley? Showed up all over the place. You take a picture. We'll do it with this book. So you can sign your book. You can take a picture with it and then make some kind of a social media post about. Let's spend more time talking about cancer and ways to beat it. Donate to whatever charity you find most partial to you. So if you're interested, long way to go. Say if you're interested in getting a book or getting this specific book and then signing it. And again, you can just be anybody. Listener to the show is great. He would love it. And then it's all eventually going to make its way back to John with maybe a billion different signatures. And also pictures of people signing this book so send me an email if you're interested and we'll figure out how to get the chain of logistics going greg at the bbq central show.com is subject line put john's book and then let me know your name and your mailing address and then i'll try and keep a list that will keep this book rotating through the country that's number one number two in just under a month's time, we'll be at the Hartville Hardware 2023 Grill Festival. That's a Saturday, September 23rd. So if you want to come out and see our pals, Mike Lang, uh, some guy named Captain Ron, who's going to be cooking on a big green egg. And then, of course, fan favorite Diva Q, Daniel Bennett, who is going to be doing live demos as well. We'll all be there all day. Great Deals on grills. There's going to be special deals on Big Green Eggs, Weber Gas Grills, and Traeger Grills because 21 of those seven of each are going to be used in a barbecue competition that's taking place there as well. So you can get them at a reduced price. One time used, so you know they work. It's going to be a great day. No cost to get in, just your way of getting out to Hartville Hardware and in Hartville, Ohio. And seeing that huge, massive structure that is Hartville Hardware. You'll love it. It's going to be a great day. Last year was a blast, and it has potential of being even bigger this year. It gets bigger every year. Who are we kidding? Hartville Hardware. The Grill Fest of 2023. September 23rd. 
And I'll be there all day emceeing, so you can get pictures with me. I'll sign autographs. I'll only charge you five bucks. I swear, that's it. I won't charge. We'll be happy to do it. All right, we're going to be back to, I think, close the show. I mean, whatever happened to Charlie? I don't know. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Legs and thighs. Injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Wimpy. Welcome back. We thank Tom Remley for joining us last segment. RemleyCustomBeef.com, his website. We talked about the cellularly cultivated meat situation. By the way, Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue does bring up something that I've thought about long and hard here over the last couple weeks. Bring on the horse meat. Right. We can collectively take a dump on cellularly cultivated meat i'm saying that tongue-in-cheek i don't think there's any reason to write it off 100 percent. it was a little bit of a technical issue when tom was talking about uh, some of this stuff right off the bat that it resolved itself but i'm sure there was some fairly important information that he was talking about that didn't end up coming over the airwaves i'll cut that out in post-production for the podcast listeners and you'll never know what i'm talking about as you listen to this part of the show however I think there's probably a place for this. It is obviously going to depend on price and what it looks like in the consuming public's eyes. It's also going to ride a lot on how it, what the taste and the texture and the tenderness is. Remember, grown in vats, as Tom said, this isn't your normal raising of beef or meat of any kind. I'm currently aware that uh, this version is a chicken and you have beef. I believe there was fish of some sort. I don't know why tilapia is in my head. I, that's probably wrong, but there was some kind of fish. You can go on the internet and search 3D printed meat, but there's a company called Stakeholder out in Israel. I was talking with the CEO of that company about coming on here, talking about it, asking, being able to ask some of those questions, but I'm not sure where that fail to continue to evolve into some type of a segment on the show, but it's cooled considerably or cooled all the way off to the point where they're not returning my emails. But we'll continue on that because I think this is something much like electric vehicles. You thought maybe it was just going to be kind of a fad. I think that this could be something, especially in countries that have no real option for meat. This could allow protein in their diets, much more protein than they're used to. So not necessarily all a bad thing. Long way to go to say, Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue is right. Bring on the horse. If you don't want to raise horses the way we're doing beef cattle, why can't we have our taste buds get tickled with cellularly cultivated horses? Why not? No horses killed in the making of this meat steak, horse steak. No cute looking horses being trotted down the kill line. Like cows aren't cute enough. You don't care if they get trotted down the kill line. I mean, I know you don't because you're eating them, but cow or horses are too are much more cute than cows. Cows have angelic eyes. You just lead them right to slaughter, murdered every day by the tens of thousands. You don't care. You care about horses. I think we have common ground here. We can all taste a little bit of horse meat, cellularly cultivated, 3D printed horse meat. We can all learn to love it a little bit, and we can all get our fix of it and not have it be illegal. FDA probably won't approve that, but I think 
Joe was probably thinking about this, but I was way ahead of Joe on this when we were seeing this whole thing about cellularly cultivated meat coming down. All right, I don't see Charlie Eblen at all. So what I think has happened is 10.30 p.m. Eastern has turned into 10.30 p.m. Central, and you know what that means. That's not right! So he's probably going to be showing up in an hour from now, or I'm sorry, 30 minutes from now, wondering, where everybody go? I'm here, I'm right on time! No, not on time. But we will probably rebook him at some point, although, believe it or not, September 100% fully booked already. Totally September is fully booked. And three quarters of October, so it's going to be a little bit before we can squeeze Charlie back in here, but I'm sure we can figure that out. All right, let's go ahead and make tracks out of here all the way back in the first hour. We were joined by first-time guest and creator of Cotton Gin Smokers, Matt Messer. CottonGinSmokers.com, his website. And then it was Mr. J from the Cigar Authority, Mr. Jonathan, talking about the most recent FDA ruling which is a positive for us premium cigar smokers, aficionados, passionados, let's say it instead. And then in the second hour, Tom Remley from Remley Custom Beef. And we missed Charlie Eblen from Single Tree Barbecue. We'll chase that down. I'll report back on exactly what happened next week. Before I forget, as we end the poll, 67% of you are saying... That Aaron's audio was worse. Wow. 33% of you are in agreement with me. It was not worse. But that's how it ends tonight, and I remembered. Next week, start September, we're booked. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, and bumper-to-bumper all the way through the next six weeks. So get ready for some great first-time guests, some great recurring guests, and who knows what's going to happen in the meantime. All sorts of breaking news that we'll get to. So how do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Bye-bye. This is Steve, the Cookout Coach, and you're listening to The Barbecue Central Show.